Welcome back, Ford Explorers. Before we get into this week's episode, we want to remind you that we have an Instagram, we have a Twitter, we have a Patreon where you can support us, get a subliminal shout out, and most importantly, we have our hotline. Typically, we tell you a story, but we want you to tell us a story. So call us or text us on the hotline, leave us your story, and enjoy this week's episode. Ford Explorers to the Ask the Cat Spirit Hour. I am the Colonel. This is my son, Caleb. We hope you're well, as always. Uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. If this isn't your first time, welcome back. Uh, Caleb, for those who don't know, uh, once Caleb stops waving uh, every week before we get into the main story of the show, we like to talk about uh, the ghosts that haunt the little bar that I own that Caleb works in. So, Caleb, why don't you give everybody the ghost report? Oh, we had a doozy this week. So, um, of course, the lights change. Lights always change. It's just kind of a given. The, the Dude, the lights changed yesterday. I was in there working on something. I was fixing something, and uh, nothing, nothing's happened the whole time. And the lights start flickering, and I was joking to myself. I was, like, kind of mumbling to myself because you were on your way to work. I was like, if Caleb just got here, I'm going to fucking lose it. And Ryan walks in the back door, and I was like, oh, it was Ryan. And then you walked in the back door, and I was like, oh, damn it. His <laughs> ghosts were just changing the lights for Caleb. So I can say I was actually there when this happened for once. And that shit really does happen. It's weird. It's like an alarm. Yeah. As you're driving up, the lights just start changing. It's like, oh, okay, I guess fucking Caleb's here. They get stoked that I'm there. But the real big one was me and Megan, who's been on the show before. Yes, friend of the show. We were we were standing there just getting ready for the day, and we both both our heads just darted to the back. And I went, did you see, and she goes, a little shadow guy? And I went, <laughs> yep, run from one side to the other. And she goes, uh-huh. Ooh, you guys saw it at the same time? We saw, it the, same, we saw the same thing at the same time. It nice. was just like a little crouch shadow that just ran across the back. The leprechaun. Yeah, in the, leprechaun in the hood. Well, it's been, re- hey, leprechaun that's a, in the hood, too. Yeah, that's, I was going to say, that's a good movie. I actually <laughs> really like that movie. Uh, and then, yeah, we had a couple of guests just be like, is there something back there? And we're like, technically, no. But, yeah, it depends on who you ask. depends yeah. on what they believe in. But, yeah, we're pretty sure we got at least a couple of ghosts. Yeah. Did you see her this week? Did you see the lady with the long hair? I did not see her, like, fully, no. Okay. Um, what do you think the little deal was? I don't what do you know. Think, do, you think that was, what do you think that was? Do you think we got a new ghost? Maybe. Uh, I was joking with you the other day. We had a demon now? That uh, I wonder if the ghosts at the bar and the ghosts at your house know each other. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot to be explored there. How far can a ghost leave where they're supposed to haunt? Yeah. And why can't ghosts just leave? If I, if I was a ghost, I would hope that you could leave. You know, being a journeyman ghost would be funny. Mm-hmm. Like going town to town doing haunts. Like, you know, it's some people that work like festival season. Yeah. Or like trimming season. Instead, you're just a ghost. You work the Halloween season. Yeah. Fall, you make a lot of money. October's a real money month. I really got on the ghost circuit a couple years back. <laughs> uh, done a couple tours now, so. Been doing a couple haunts, ran into those Scooby-Doo fucks. They're not as good as you think they are. They didn't even know we were ghosts. Yeah, uh, ever since I joined the ghost crew, you know, we never really leave the wheel. We just got our standard tour, never really deviate. It's like a traveling, like, play, like 
symphony orchestra. Well, you know, I've been, I've, I ran away and joined the circus when I was younger. And I, man, if I would have been a ghost that whole time, I don't know that we could have gotten in more trouble than we did, but being a ghost would have added a new element to it for sure. I like the idea of like, that's funny. Like if you, if you come into town and there's like local ghosts, you know, like you're, you're like, there's like local girl ghosts, you know, like people who never really <laughs> left town, kind of been there the whole time. And then there's like big city ghosts, cosmopolitan ghosts who can get on the trains and shit. I, I like to think of it as like a sixth sense, sixth sense rules where like you're a ghost and you'd kind of look like whatever you look like the moment you died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so those rules are by far the most cruel because people like ripped open heads and stuff. Just the ghost circus comes into town. There's like, a clown with half of its head blown off. There's like a guy in a like a like a stuntman uniform that's just like burnt to a crisp. He's missing he an arm. In. Well, I guess it's kind of like Beetlejuice rules too. Yeah. Maybe it's weird. Yeah, Beetlejuice. You can either be regular human or just fucked up little monster. <laughs> like <laughs> leave a, leave what you'd rather be in the comments. Would you rather be uh, like your ideal? Uh, what's the you know cuz there's would you there's like a platonic ideal of like what you you know what did you look like when you were like 26 or whatever. There's uh looking like what you did when you died, which is the controversy over the force ghost of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And then there's yeah, looking like the zombie, like the corpse I suppose. The, moment that you died none of them really seem like a great option i mm -hmm. think as a ghost you should get to upgrade yeah i want to wear new stuff i want ghost, ghost clothes DLC. yeah exactly i want like cool ass ghost clothes i would like to be able to wear other can you wear the ghost stuff maybe can you like can you put another ghost's hat on i have so many ghost questions if we go by uh halloween town rules ghosts can lose weight and as we all know life is lived by Halloween Town. Girls. I fucking love Halloween Town, but there's that fat ghost that goes into the sauna and they crank it up so they can get ghost sweat for the for the um, spell that they're doing. Yeah, duh. And he he gets smaller. He shrinks. He's no longer a fat ghost. He sweats all of his ghost fat out. I don't know. <laughs> he sweats his ghost fat out. You know. But the, if we have ghost, if we have ghost character creation, that means Brittany's gonna spend eternity just customizing <laughs> her little guy. I know, be just like real life. She's never gonna leave her ghost house because she's gonna spend all her time customizing her space Barbie, her ghost Barbie. <laughs> she's got like three hundred hours in Skyrim, and it's just from customizing a character. She's yeah. never actually played. She's got all the items, <laughs> but she's never played. It's like The Sims. I used to play The Sims like that. I'd build big houses, kill everybody, and then start over. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, going into our main story. Speaking mm -hmm. of uh, killing somebody and starting over, our main story today was a good ghost report. That was a longer than normal ghost <laughs> report. Uh, thank you for sticking with us, guys. If you have any ghost comments, uh, leave them by all means. And like I said, as always, I will leave the invitation out to any uh, professional or amateur ghost hunters. If you'd like to take a crack at the bar, just leave me a comment or shoot us a message or something. I'd be happy to let you in. Uh, so this week we are talking about, honestly, this might be the most acid cat spirit hour story we've ever talked about. We mm. talk about a lot of stuff on this show for frequent uh, viewers. You know, we are willing to talk about pretty much any weird thing, mystery, be it alien ghost, or, you know, sometimes we talk about more recent cases. We had the two episodes about the rust case. You know, sometimes we get very close to a case and sometimes we're just kind of goofs stone standing outside of the area 51. And today's kind of one of those stories today. We're going to talk about 
Somebody who was actually kind of close to me in my life, I guess. I do. We did have some direct connections when researching this story. But today we're talking about uh, Andrew W.K. And if he's even a real person, if he's a group of people, if he's been replaced, or what the deal is. Because Andrew has his entire career had a tremendous amount of, um, we'll call it conspiracy and uh, mystery surrounding him. Mysticism. Yeah, some might say that he works hard to perpetuate said mysticism in sort of an Andy Kaufman-like way. But even if that's the case, we want to explore today. Obviously, you know, well, I don't say obviously, but Andy Kaufman's one of my idols. He's one of my favorite people in the whole world. The idea of kayfabe, we're both wrestling fans, and the idea of kayfabe is something that's very exciting to me. You know, this notion of, like, accepting a suspension of belief for the sake of something being a little more interesting. I think there are things in life, it's like a video game, like there are things in life that would be a lot more interesting if uh, we allowed them to be a little less true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we get into that, why don't we do what we always do, why don't we talk about who the person is. In this case, if he even really exists, let's talk about who, in theory, Andrew W.K. is. Yeah, so Andrew W.K. was born Andrew Wilkes Cryer in Stanford, California. Allegedly. Allegedly. In Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. Michigan. Uh, Allegedly. Well, yeah, he was born in Stanford, California, and grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah. Um, His supposed father was Professor James E. Cryer, a legal scholar at the University of Michigan Law School. And um, his mother was Wendy Wilkes. Alleged. Alleged mother was Wendy Wilkes. And his alleged younger brother, Patrick, was a golf pro and is now a golf coach in Michigan. Which, if you take a look at that lineup, you're going to understand a little better why a lot of people thought that maybe Andrew is an industry plant. Yes. Um, At the age of four, uh, Andrew W.K. began learning piano at the University of Michigan School of Music. Nerd. (laughs) And um, the reason he was dubbed Andrew W.K. was by an elementary school teacher to differentiate him from two other classmates named Andrew. Okay. And so it was just, you know, we all have it. You got like 15 Johns in your class. And so it's like... John C. Riley, John C. Nah. <laughs> John C. Nah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny that you say that because I was just mentioning the other night, I feel like Lauren is the most common mm-hmm. white girl name for a reality show. Yeah. You're watching The Bachelor, there's going to be three, four Laurens. Always. Survivor, two Laurens. There's always a couple of Laurens. Well, it, it also depends on the age group, too, because, like, I know growing up, and even my sister, like, you know, if you're around my age, you probably know... 37 Kelsey's. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Or 79 Sarah's. Dude, I I have dated, you know, four or five... Uh, <laughs> I've dated four or five Catherine's, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of Sarah's. Well, I, I, I say specifically for my age range, so from, like, 20 to rude. 24. Rude. No, 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 I want no, no, everyone no. to know that he's being very rude. I'm not being rude. <laughs> for my age range, so, like, 20 to 24 uh, seem to be... If you were born... Uh, if you were a girl born in that age range, your name ends with C-I-E or C-Y-E or C-E-Y. It, it's the generation Lacey, of... Lacey, J.C., Macy. Lacey, J.C., Macy, Gracie, <laughs> Kelsey, like yep. all these C names. And it's it's funny to see because, like, of course, there was 15 other Andrews in his class. It's weird that none of them went just by Drew. Yeah. <laughs> just be Drew. Just be or Drew. Andy. Which yeah. is funny because Andrew WK has a song called Don't Call Me Andy. Yeah, yeah, he apparently doesn't like it. Well, one of them, one of the versions. Anyway, yeah. so back to, back to we'll call this one, as he is affectionately referred to on the internet, which I appreciate, Andrew Prime. Yes. Um, so uh, by the age of 14 in 1993, he joined a band called Slam, 
uh, later called Reverse Polarity. Um, he then goes to make his own uh, music as well in 1996. Uh, he released a song called Mr. Surprise, which was included on uh, Plant the Flower Seeds, which was a compilation of different Michigan-based record label uh, artists. The first, I, I think the first Andrew WK record I heard was uh, Girl's Own Juice. Yeah. That, that album's fucking great. Yeah, so uh, that was in March 2000. He released his first EP, Girl's Own Juice, um, on Bulb Records, yeah. which was his first solo release under the moniker Andrew WK, um, which he went back and forth. He had first been credited as, as Andrew WK for a remix entitled Wolf Eyes Rule, What Kind of Band, question mark in parentheses, <laughs> which is... I love it when uh, when bands name songs like that. Like there was uh, something I showed you yesterday that was talking about Fallout Boy, and it's like, what Fallout Boy song is your favorite? And it's like, oh, it's got to be, man, this traffic is really bad. Open parentheses. Will I ever get to where I'm going? Where am I going? What's the answer? Close bracket. <laughs> yeah, like I love yeah, it yeah. when bands name songs like that. Well, then you're gonna love prog metal. Yeah, um, but that marked the beginning of his uh, hard rock influenced musical style with more experimental tendencies. Um, he he likes to call it Judas Priest mixed with Sparks. Which is, yeah, I get that. I mean, it's he's from Detroit. I mean, he's not from Detroit, but musically he's from Detroit. And when you think of Detroit, you think of the MC5, you think of uh, the White Stripes, you think of, um, like, Stooges, you think of, like, music. I don't know. Even, I hate to say it, but even, like, Uncle Ted, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a sensibility there of fucking Bob Seger. You know, there's, like, a there's a sensibility that's common in sort of classic rock, and I, I think you see that even in the bands that come out of there now. You know, whether it's more punk like the MC5 or not, you know, Jack White stuff is everywhere. It's basically every... Jack White makes every kind of classic rock. Yeah. You know, like, every yeah. kind of car commercial music you could want, he makes, and it's I think it's because he's a byproduct of Detroit. Well, that's, like, I always... Uh joke around about Queen. Like, you could play a Queen's Greatest Hits album, yeah. and you could think it's 15 different bands. <laughs> Crazy little thing called Love. That's mm -hmm. the, that's always the one. The Elvis song done by Queen. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, so he uh, he's doing okay. He moves to New York. Um, he's making music, moves to New York. He's putting a little bit of music out. Um, I Get Wet was 2000? Yes. Uh, so... He ends up making these little EPs and sending them out, and one of them reached uh, Dave Grohl, who was super impressed by it. And, and that's going to come up later because Dave is implicated in a lot of this stuff when we start talking about Steve Mike and all of that. So Grohl then offers Andrew uh, a slot opening for his band, the Foo Fighters, at a concert in San Francisco, which he accepts. And because of this, the tapes keep going out more and more. Well, yeah, I mean, he was an infectious guy. Plus, I even, when we were doing Discovery and we were watching some of his videos and stuff, I, I've seen Andrew a bunch of times. And we're going to talk about Andrew possibly being a psyop. And, you know, one of the things that makes me feel that way is I remember when I was younger, I lived with three guys, all great dudes, but they were all purple-hearted, toured Iraq vets. And you could turn on Andrew WK, and there was like a... Uh, Pavlovian response to it. Mm -hmm. you, yeah, man, you could turn on she like she is beautiful or I get wet and those guys would pop up in a way that felt like they were ordered to do so. Yeah. You know, and it just felt like there was and I, it's probably just the fact that his music is really fucking fun, but it caught on fast. Andrew's music is very energetic. It's very fun. It's very positive, mm -hmm. you know, and it's all about partying. Like at the time, this is the dude was putting these 
this out when now that Jackass Forever is out, you know, the first Jackass movie was coming out. The Jackass was on TV. I mean, the first CKY movie didn't come out until I think 2000, 2001. So this is all that same. It's important yeah. to know that it's all that same. I think that frame of reference, that context helps. It's like when we were talking about Ted Kaczynski last week, it helps to know what was going on at the time. It helps to know that there was an oil shortage and a war and all these other things going on at the same time. And with Andrew, you know, like we needed a, an excuse to party. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I get wet gets released in 2001. And like you said, just takes over MTV like wildfire. And it really is the first, I think, shot fired in this conspiracy that he's either a plant or doesn't exist or something along those lines. Because the photo, the cover of I Get Wet, I can throw it up here right now, but everybody knows it. It's that photo of Andrew WK. Mm -hmm. The really bloody one, yeah, is probably, I don't even know if YouTube allows you to show that sort of thing anymore. But there's also a story behind that photo. That photo, uh, people think that that's not the same guy. That's one of the pieces of evidence that we'll get into. Because you can, you know, Andrew's a pretty, like, generic-looking guy. Yeah. And I understand that that might be intentional for this sort of, uh, this kind of thing. But it, it's it doesn't necessarily look like the same guy. And the story behind how that photo happened is sort of inconsistent, too. It's not as simple as, you know, the way it's usually told is, oh, he grabbed a brick and he hit himself in the face. But the true story is he was doing a photo shoot that he had already planned out. He hired a photographer. The photographer got there and was like, what do you want to do? And he was like, I'll be right back. And he left the room and he came back and he was pouring blood from his nose. And he was like, now take these photos of me. So there's a, there's, I only say all that because there's a, I want everybody to know that there's a level of premeditation with Andrews, Steve Mike's, whoever's movements mm -hmm. that even if this is a hoax, there's been a tremendous amount of work put into it. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, the album goes out, gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and just his success kind of grows exponentially, and he decides to release another album, The Wolf, in 2003. And it is also still super popular, but people realize that it's a huge step up from I Get Wet, both sound and lyric-wise. People are like, this doesn't... And that sparks a whole lot of controversy because people are like, I don't think this is the same guy. Well, it's interesting because, yeah, though, you know, I Get Wet has so many... Uh, I mean, half the songs, the title is, has the word party in it. So much of them, they're these... They're anthemic. Every single one of them is like, pound your feet. It's a... The, you know, I described it earlier as it sounds like the music you listen to on the last night of your life. You know, mm -hmm. like it feels like the music played before the big climax in a movie. And the wolf isn't like that. The wolf is much more of a musical album. There's a lot of ballads on it. Like there, it feels different. His voice feels different. Um, but that could also be described as just the difference between that first album. I get wet while it was made um, without a, huge budget it was made with a talented crew and it's important this is probably the best time to just bring up steve mike now mm -hmm. steve mike is a, a name we're going to bring up a lot because that is either an alter ego of andrews it's either uh, an alias for actual andrew it it's something steve mike is somebody and we're going to explore it here in a little bit but steve mike was first showed up as being credited as a producer on i get wet and isn't a producer on the wolf and a lot of people felt that well because when you know an album sounds different the overall sound of a musician is different you look to production that's mm -hmm. what changes that sort of thing so who produced those two albums? Well, there's a difference, right? And that's when people started to pay attention because who is Steve Mike and why was this album different? Yeah, so Steve Mike pops up. Like you said, 
He's listed as a producer in a lot of the earlier stuff in I Get Wet, but doesn't show up in The Wolf. And people start looking into him more, and they're just finding him uh, credited. They're finding old interviews where Andrew's saying that, like, oh, yeah, I, I have this alias that I go by as Steve Mike. And things really never come about it until 2005 where Steve Mike really pops up. Yeah, and there were a few things that happened over that time period that would lend credence to the things he was saying. But we'll start in 2005 when Steve Mike shows up on the Andrew WK forums, mm-hmm. uh, leaving a series of coded messages. And they were, uh, it was like a substitution code, a pretty basic alphanumeric substitution code. Um, and there were a number of uh, coded messages that were posted to basically say that Steve Mike was the person behind all of the music. Andrew was a fraud. Andrew wasn't who you thought he was. Uh, And that's sort of what really started all this. I know that I graduated in 05, and I know that uh, immediately after high school is when I heard a lot about this sort of thing. You know, like, that's I would say that's when in the zeitgeist you'd go to a bar and people would be talking about it. So I actually have the translated code here, and the first one that was released was released on the Andrew WK Dot com, and it translated to this. Dear Andrew WK, to start with, let me say that I respect you and your fans very much. You know how much I believe in you and all that you stand for, because I stood for it first. You know how much I love your music, because I created it. You know that I love the way you look and act and talk and sing and dance, because it was born in my brain. Hopefully, by now you've noticed that I've hacked into the websites. Maybe you haven't seen everything, but your fans have. In fact, your fans were well on their way to knowing the truth. I've been giving them bits and pieces, hoping that you'd come to your senses and stop trying to squeeze me out. Well, you haven't responded to my initial uh, requests, and you've forced me to make threats. When you act unprofessional, so will I. Now I have no choice but to let facts speak for themselves. I never wanted it to come to this, but I can no longer wait in the background and ignore your complete disrespect. You've exploited the automatic disadvantage our agreement puts me in. Our choice to let you enjoy the spotlight while I create the magic leaves me almost helpless. You will not force me to expose myself until I expose you first. I know that your quick rise to fame has clouded your memory concerning our partnership. I was willing to forgive your cruel and ignorant choices because you're a young star. However, your recent efforts to exclude me from the third album material will not be tolerated. I did not work for the last year on these new songs in order to have you break promises. Your fans deserve to know the truth. Your fans are smart. That's why I've put this letter up on the many websites I've been creating in your name. By the time you read this, your fans will have already read it too. Don't worry, I've made it very hard for all, but most dedicated Andrew WK fans will find and know this. More and more people will find out the real story unless you stop trying to sabotage our agreement. I've chosen not to go to the press with this yet. I do value our relationship and I want to continue towards what we initially planned. However, if you refuse to comply, you'll have no choice but to let the world know you're a backstabbing fraud. Now it's up to you. Yours truly, Steve Mike. And after these things were posted, Andrew did cancel a tour mm-hmm. and postpone that album. That album was Close Calls with Brick Walls, mm-hmm. an album that was never really, well, it was eventually released in the U.S., but it wasn't initially released in the U.S. Would you like to tell him why it wasn't released in the U.S.? Yes. So uh, Close Calls with Brick Walls was the third studio album. Yeah, the one and that- 
And it was uh, uh, supposed to be a promise of going back to I Get Wet. People had reacted to The Wolf and they said, okay, but we would like an album a little bit more like I Get Wet, something a little more party heavy, a little more anthemic. And Close Calls is very much that. Mm -hmm. Um, It was not released in the U.S. Um, There were legal disputes. So due to legal disputes regarding the ownership of the name Andrew W.K., so, uh, Close Calls with Brick Walls was initially only released in Japan and Korea, where it was uh, then given limited release in the uh, U.S. in 2007, which was two years after it was supposed to be released. Or, I guess a year, a little bit over a year. But when he was asked about it, he said, and this is a, a quote, uh, At the end of 2004, an old friend of mine got in some serious business trouble and basically decided to take it out on me. To cut a long story short, this person is someone I worked with very closely and had a formal and family business relationship with. Due to various complaints this person had with me, they were able to turn my life and career upside down. I wasn't allowed to use my own name within certain areas of the U.S. entertainment industry, and we were in a debate for who owned the rights to my image and who should get the credit for inventing it. So if you weren't allowed to use your name, sorry, I'll finish yeah. the quote. I apologize. Oh, uh, this made my life complicated and intense for a few years, but I kept working and doing whatever I could to keep moving forward. So if you couldn't use your your name, your and given your name, image and your image, which is the thing that does happen. We brought up John Cena, but it happens a lot with WWE mm-hmm. stars and it can be an issue if it's your actual name. Like if it's your, your well, given name, your legal name. I know that, uh, Slim Jim still owns the the rights to of the likeness, likeness of Macho, of Macho Man. Man. Yeah, yeah, they so do. So if they of the character Macho Man. Yeah, so if they wanted to technically bring him back whether it be deep fakes or CGI or anything like that, they legally could. Well, they could bring back Macho Man as a character without Randy Poffo in the role. Mm-hmm. Like without Randy Savage, there could still be Macho Man. They just own the rights to Macho Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um there's a it's that's a I mean there's a lot of it's easy the natural response to all of this is that it's a hoax, but there's a lot of evidence that leans that other direction. And this is some of the biggest, um, this idea that he canceled his tour and it had to change this album, this album that was supposed to sound like the first album, an album that was produced by Steve Mike and not like the second album, an album that wasn't produced by Steve Mike. And then Steve Mike, a name, an alias that Andrew had used in the past. Like we're talking like in the past, in the past, long before any of this stuff, he has to use in order to speak out against his himself. Well, maybe yeah. he's not speaking out against himself. I think it speaks to the idea that Andrew WK could have been more of a uh, a branded thing. And even if not, it's got to bring to mind what it means to be able to turn yourself into a brand. You yeah. know, if anything, if whether uh, Andrew, even if all of this is a hoax, the lesson to take from it is a cautionary tale about identity and who owns what. Yeah. Um, so there are a couple of. Big theories, I guess. We'll get into the big theories of who Andrew WK is, who Steve yeah, Mike well, is. Yeah, well, yeah, in this case, yeah, I guess that's, that is, like, the logical next step, right? Like, okay, so we've talked about Steve, and Steve has shown up. Is Steve Mike Andrew WK? And if he's Andrew WK, who's Andrew WK? Mm-hmm. So there are, I want to say, three big theories, and then there's, I mean— a litany of smaller things. Well, yeah, especially with something like this when you're talking about like replacement. Because there, I mean, even in the broader structs, we've got a few things here, right? Like, there's a couple different things. It could be that he was a replacement. It could be that he was a replacement because it's a psyop. It could be that it was a replacement over a legal issue. It could be that there was a legal issue and they used it as an opportunity to create a psyop. It could be um, a guy 
channeling his, I don't know, inner troublemaker to try to build some excitement around his career. But that really doesn't, that one feels like the least likely because I mean, he was on fire. He had a TV mm -hmm. show. He had all kinds of stuff. He had platinum records. I have a hard time believing that he needed more, yeah. you know? So if someone's speaking out against him, it feels like there's something legitimate there. So was he a replacement? Was he a industry plant or was he something else? Um, so the, the first theory that I wanted to talk about was the, what I like to call the Shakespeare theory. Yeah. Uh, the Shakespeare theory, if you're, uh, new to conspiracy theories as a whole, <laughs> the Shakespeare theory has one that's been going on for hundreds of years. And that is, there are, uh, historical figures, popular figures that aren't one person. They're a group of people that just get contributed one name. Yeah. The idea is that Shakespeare didn't write all of those stories as one person, a collective of people are called Shakespeare. Exactly. It's like the Brothers Grimm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they didn't write any of those stories. They were just honest about the fact that they collected them. So, with the Shakespeare theory, we have, is Andrew W.K. a industry plant that was just this amalgamation of different people that came together to create this ideal rock star and just kind of blew up in fame? And that's the Dave Grohl thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. people think that Dave Grohl was heavily instrumental in that. Because Dave Grohl was there on the ground floor quickly, sort of as the first, like, well-known endorsement of Andrew and his music, I think it's very easy to immediately associate him. He's also known for being a bit of a troll when it comes to the industry. Yeah. He was in a band who um, sort of completely sort of listened to me. Nirvana completely fucking flipped music on its head yeah. um, in a way that they had a level of control that I think a lot of p musicians aspire to. Dave's just seems, I say Dave like we're on a first name basis, but Dave Grohl seems like the type of guy who would do something like this, I yeah. guess is what I'm saying. Like if it is, if it is some sort of like inside joke, I could see Dave Grohl pulling this mm. off. Yeah. Um, with that too, there's like different things that people like to point out. Like, at one point, Andrew W.K. Uh, supposedly hurt his leg and went on tour still and performed in a wheelchair, where, as we just saw recently, a couple years back, Dave Grohl did the exact same thing. Yep. Um, there's also things like Steve Dave uh, being the name of this weird, like, amalgamation of people, the Dave part being Dave Grohl. You mean Steve Mike? Or Steve Mike, yeah, my yeah, bad. Steve Dave's a different character. Steve Dave is a yeah. different character. <laughs> but it'd be funny um, if Dave Grohl's involved in that, too. No, but I could see Dave just, like, if he is an industry plant, I could see it being, like, an anti-industry plant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, somebody who's put there just Because the music is, you know, I think it's easy to criticize the music and be like, well, it's so one-dimensional, and all that music is, it, you know, it's just party this, party that. It's like, yeah, but have you ever listened to, like, a pop country music? Or a pop country music was to me, a pop country song. Yeah. You know, like that Red Solo Cup song's just about that, too. Oh, man, Have you listened so to much. any fucking club hip hop song? You know what I mean? Like, lots of music is just about having a good time. And it's funny, every time the industry plants come up, like, I know, um, oh, the, the most recent industry plant theory that popped up is the girl that did the. Uh, driver's license song yeah olivia rodrigo yes and everyone's like well she's an industry plant and it seems like it's quick to be thrown if someone kind of just comes up and gets really popular really fast people automatically are like industry plant 
Yeah, and you know, Andrew specifically had TV shows. Like it wasn't just music that was popular. Mm-hmm. He had TV. He had uh, what was it build destroy or destroy build destroy destroy build destroy? Which is funny because when you wanted when you brought this up and you're like, how much do you know about Andrew WK? And I was like, the host from Destroy Build Destroy. <laughs> <laughs> I know a ton of. I love that show. Um, but yeah, so which is such an appropriate name. I mean, like you want to talk about. Fucking Illuminati layers, the Illuminati layers to this, but destroy, build, destroy. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to recreate a person and recreate this like ideal, uh, platonic ideal of a of a pop star, and you know there are a lot of there's a lot of like Jesuit things there, right? Like there's a lot of Jesus allegory. He's a guy with a long beard or with a beard and long hair who doesn't. Uh, care about money, doesn't care about the trappings of wealth. Uh, dressed in all white. Dressed in all white and allows it to get dirty. Mm-hmm. Like, he has a lot of very traditional Christian um, uh, imagery about him, you know? And and if we want to get into that, too, we want to talk into the, as we're talking about him being an industry plant, there's not just Andrew W.K. There's also Andrew K.W. Yes. And Andrew K.W. is the inverse. Uh, he's He wears black, all black instead. Um, very commonly found with uh, some kind of a wound, usually a laceration on his forehead, like he'll take a, an X-Acto knife or like, a, you know, like they do in wrestling when they get color. He'll just gig himself a little bit in the forehead. And you do that because it's a really painless place to do it. It's all, obviously, it also looks great. And you bleed a lot from your forehead because you have a lot of blood vessels there. And he would take a lot of photos like that. You know, Pink Eyes from Fucked Up does that. At, or he used to do it at pretty much every show. But he does it hard way. He cracks his fucking head open on the microphone. But, you know, all of that imagery is very, very... If we think about the photo that started all of this, if we think about the the photo from I Get Wet, what is that? It's all black. You don't see Andrew wearing a white shirt. It's mm-hmm. all black. He's covered in blood. Yeah. And Andrew KW, a lot of that imagery is like that. And there's a really great archive of all of the stuff, but a lot of this comes from Andrew's website and the stuff that would be posted to it, including the alleged hacks from Steve Mike. Um, all of those things pretty much were on one of Andrew's sites or an associated site. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Andrew KW thing, people think points to a woman named Christine Williams as somebody who works with him. Uh, they have a company called the Louise Harland um, Corporation, and Louise Harland seems to handle most of his uh, sort of PR, the music stuff, things like that. Um, and there's uh, Christine Williams, and there's also a guy named Mario Dane, and both of them are very closely tied to Andrew if he is a plant in this sort of greater plant theory. The idea being that Christine's sort of like the string puller. She's the one who makes everything happen. Yeah. The sort of fixer. What's the fixer from Suicide Squad? What's her name? Oh, uh, Amanda Waller? Yeah, this is the Amanda Waller of this story. Which, bringing all that up, and especially the Louise Harlan Corporation, ties into another way more far-fetched theory, which we both found very humorous because it's one of those things we've joked about before where we always joke that it always goes back to the Warren Commission. Dude, it always goes back to the Warren Commission. Oh, because of Diane Warren? Well, no, this one is uh, tied to Scientology. This, yeah, it, it is. If it's any sort of conspiracy theory uh, anywhere, it's always tied back to the Warren Commission. But if it's anything that has to do with film, TV, or music, it always gets tied back to Scientology. Yeah, there were a couple ties. So some of the photos that were posted uh, were 
some of the photos that were posted on those websites uh, allegedly by Steve Mike or by Andrew WK, who knows, or both or neither. That's what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. We're of Nicole Kidman, and there have been some ties to both Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise who were together at the time, which is why they're, uh, and through Scientology. And some of those have been through CAA. CAA is the largest uh, casting agency, the largest talent agency in Hollywood. And they represent Andrew allegedly Andrew, Steve Mike, and everybody, pretty much everybody else that you know, including those two actors. But they're, you know, the CAA handles all the the, the top, top tier. Well, they, they make it that way. They yeah. make them the top tier actors. Yeah, that's how agencies work. Um, So I have some, like, uh, of course we did a deep dive, and we oh, found yeah. some sites. I mean, sites. this is a deep, deep, deep dive. We found some sites uh, where it's just, like, a free-to-host Weebly page yeah, where look. someone just... Rants for hours. Angel fire sites. Uh, this guy, he is 100% into uh, Andrew WK, is a Scientology creation. And these are some of the examples he gives. Um, so, Steve Mike concept, the entire Steve Mike concept was to create a promotional mind control advertisement for both Mountain Dew and Sierra Mist. It is also tied to a larger Coke Wars cola conspiracy that has Scientology and Tom Cruise himself in partnership with MTV, parentheses, proven Illuminati, <laughs> NBC. I mean, in this guy's defense, if anybody is in the Illuminati, it's probably somebody at Viacom, yeah. Uh, NBC, quote, all-seeing eye, Playboy, quote, Scientology, and both PepsiCo and Coca-Cola, both Freemason Corporation and political partners of the New World Order. Andrew WK was and still is a part of a larger effort. When are these guys going to realize that the Masons and the NWO aren't the same because the NWO is the Catholic Church? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's still part of a larger effort of these combined mega corporations, but he is just one of many. As Lady Gaga example illustrates. <laughs> Dude, the Lady Gaga one's one of my favorites. I remember that shit. The idea that she was an Illuminati plant. That one's especially good. But I could still see Andrew being like a lesser, maybe not Illuminati plant. I could still see him being like a just a general pop culture plant. So this goes on to saying that uh, the Louise Hartling Corporation is in all practical purposes Steve Mike, but... The corporation was founded by Andrew W.K.'s father, James, and they're working alongside the Church of Scientology to try to create this idealized superhuman rock star. Uh, They had a long waited uh, to design and control a single person's career in order to promote the philosophy of their own, involving hedonistic encouragement through role model music icons. After a brief meeting with New er, New York Scientology, the contract with Louise Harland and Steve Mike was signed, and Andrew's life was in the hands of these creative managers, as he would refer to them. I like this one because it's really dipping its toes in the QAnon uh-huh. soup, you know? I mean, yeah, sure. The idea that he's got, like, Rand Handlers, I'm not sure he's the best person for that. I could see that music being, like I said, I do feel like that music has Pavlovian qualities. Like, I wonder, we while we were looking, you know, we didn't find... This is an odd subject, and maybe somebody should look into it themselves, but I could talk to one of my kooky cousins about it. I wonder if the notes, like the notes, the piano notes that he plays, like, and I get wet, that same note that plays mm-hmm. over and over again. It's the brown note. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder if it's a conditional tone. Like, I wonder yeah. if you hear it enough, it causes, a like, a reaction in the mind. Somebody yeah. needs to do a psychological breakdown of Andrew W.K.'s physical music, like the music <laughs> itself. 
Um, and we, of course, are now touching on the the brainwash theory. Yeah. Which yeah. is another one that he is being brainwashed by, the uh, whether it be his own, like whether it be Steve Mike, whether it be this conglomerate, whether it be Scientology. And the one thing we did find to maybe play into that theory is in uh, January 16th of 2004, right in the middle of where all this is going on, Andrew was filming his TV show where he was traveling. People would write in with advice, and he would travel around the U.S. to go meet them and help them with their problems. And they said on January or Friday, January 16th, uh, he drove head-on into two parked cars while filming an episode of his new television series. The full-speed crash resulted in a three-car pileup. No one in or near the accident was injured, and Andrew W.K. himself was also unharmed. However, all three cars were completely totaled. Andrew recalls, quote, I don't know what happened. It was like a total psychological blackout, and I didn't even exist. And then the next thing you know, bam, I was completely smashed up all these cars. That, to me, sounds like a really good occasion, like... If you were brainwashing somebody or if they had, like, a, a inhibitor chip, like, mm-hmm. if they had, like, a Neuralink chip, it, that would be a great way to test it. Yeah. Because it's like, let's see if we have full control over this person's autonomy. Let's turn them off and let's drive them into these cars. Because yeah. you would try to stop yourself. But let's do it in a way where he won't get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But it'll, it'll, it's parked cars. And yeah. It's fine just yeah. to see if it works. I do want to say that, speaking of driving around, one of the things that he did during the sort of fallout, the identity fallout of close calls with brick walls is right around this time he to do with his show, he was traveling around and when all the stuff happened with, he was driving around in a Cadillac. That's like what he drives around in the show. It's a 55 Cadillac. And the, one of the uh, albums that he put out after close calls as a, it seems like a catharsis is an all piano music album called 55 Cadillac. And that's interesting because the number 55 is also the code that he would use for the two E's. Steve Mike is S T E E V. And every time Steve Mike posted on the internet in code, Steve Mike's, the two E's are 55. Mm -hmm. And he very commonly, he had two websites, two uh, Steve Mike websites, and he made um, intentionally made them slightly different. And they had different, Uh, main graphics and the one main graphic made a point to point out that the 55 wasn't between the V's Yeah, and one was Steve spelled the normal way and one was spelled with the 55. So the 55 is obviously meant to sort of be a direction towards something towards what we don't know. It's not when he was born. Obviously he was born in the seventies, but it does. There are so many things throughout his career that feel like silent calls for help. You talked about the Mountain Dew Sierra Mist thing. We haven't Mm -hmm. touched on that really yet, but that was one of the things that would show up on his website is there's uh, through all the coded messages, there is an association of Mountain Dew to the light side to Andrew WK. And there is a association of Sierra Mist to the dark side or Andrew KW. And one thing that we really didn't see much, but I kind of came up with is Sierra Mist SM Steve Mike. Yeah. Steve Mike. Yeah. So, and a lot of like the references and stuff that Steve Mike posted about was this, uh, Spy versus Spy, the Mad Magazine uh, comic strip. Yeah. And which is uh, the white spy and the black spy going head to head while being very much identical other than their attire. Yeah, they're inverse. And if we want to talk about the music, we can talk about that too. So, you know, his first few albums, very fun, very party. And while he's never made a lot of music about negativity, his music changed a lot. It went from being just about 
party and it got m- much more about inspirational thought and speaking. I mean, the tour he was doing, that first TV show he had where he'd give people advice, all of that was very inspirational. And now, if you go look at his more recent music releases, mm-hmm. it's damn near gospel music. It's some of the most inspirational music. It's all very, very positive, And it feels a lot like... Um, I feel like something happened to him over the course of his career and he either was removed from his place at the head of the table of the Andrew WK Foundation yeah, and he's recently got it back and now he's like really posy. But it honestly feels like he, I don't know, it feels like he lost control of his own name at some point. Yeah, it definitely seems like he was he was kicked out of the room. He was no longer part of the conversation. And everyone else was in charge of it. And it seems like after a couple years of just playing the game, he was able to get autonomy back. And his most recent songs are heavily about that. You know, like, again, not music that's usually about stuff. His songs are, you know, they contain lines like, uh, you would think it was impossible to be born again, but I'm living proof. And he talks a lot about being two completely different people. Mm -hmm. He talks about changing. He talks about how music is the only thing that brought him back. It's the only thing that saved his life. It tells a tale that if there if nothing happened in those years between 2005 and 2015, and it was the same guy the whole time, his music sure changed a lot for no reason. Oh, yeah. And and even people from the outside looking in have even stated, like, around 2011, 2012, after he was kind of silent for a bit, he came back into... So uh, 2009 to 2011 is when Destroy, Build, Destroy came out. And then for, like, a year and a half, no one heard anything from him. It was just radio silence. And he popped back up. And he looked more like his original self. People said they did notice that he was a little heavier set and had a beard, um, like a much thicker beard. But he didn't seem to be interested in music anymore. Yeah, not nearly he, as much. Not nearly as much. It it was mainly just promoting this positive lifestyle, uh, hosting different like self-help slash motivational speaking gigs. And dude, maybe it's... And maybe it's all the addicts that I know or grew up around, but that to me feels so much like he has accepted his place and he just wants to emphasize what's good about it. Yeah. It feels so much like a dude who's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm never getting my identity back, so let's all just be happy and be ourselves. It feels like somebody who had already resigned to the idea that that was going to be it. Yeah, and I think uh, with this idea of it being a group of people behind it and kind of pushed him to the wayside, I feel like they tried that, but it didn't work. And we we kind of gathered that from the New Jersey uh, concert in 2004. Yeah, so, yeah, the, probably the biggest thing, the, the biggest tell that he could be a different person is on December 18th. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2004, there was a concert in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Um, shout out E-Town, Elizabethtown, New Jersey, um, where... He played for a couple of songs, security and pretty much everybody there said, that's not Andrew WK. Who the fuck is that guy? Um, He played for a couple of songs. It got really awkward and weird. He left the stage and the show was over Mm -hmm. and we kind of never heard anything about it again. Yeah. uh, They also said that uh, a security guard had came out and said that once he got backstage, they just kind of put a jacket over him and he, uh, 
noticed that his hair was no longer long. It was shorter hair, and he and left. If there's with one a thing we all people. know about Andrew WK that's consistent. Yeah, boy's got long hair, and it, it, you can even see like footage from that concert before it's over. He's very like he, he his stage presence is already kind of sporadic and jumping around a oh, lot. Oh yeah, but in that footage, he's jumping around a lot with his back to the audience, like yeah. his hair and his face and his back to the audience, just jumping around stage and like. If you were trying to fake being someone else who has a very distinct style, like the the all white, the white t-shirt, the white jeans, the white dad shoes. But that's what makes him easier to replace. Yes. Because you have a uniform, you have a way that you look. It's like that time that Razor Ramon and Big Daddy Diesel left WWF and Vince McMahon was like, oh no, I can just replace those guys. It'll be fine. And he sent guys out there dressed just like him. Mm-hmm. In a more perfect world, that definitely could have worked. Yeah. 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 Um, but if you are trying to... Like, you and I, we both have very distinct looks. Yes. Um, I'm a hard man to miss. But, I mean, we could take someone, put tattoos on them, dye their hair green, give them glasses and facial hair, and send them out in the world. Um, And people that don't know you on a personal level and sees you, I mean, what? The closest you can probably get to that stage is fifteen feet. Yeah, I we it's that's a really good point. And what it makes me think of is how connected we are now, and mm-hmm. all of the devices that we have. This an important thing to remember is that this happened right at the end of the sort of internetless age. Now I know that you can say, well, two thousand and four. That's not true. It absolutely is. Not we certainly didn't have smartphones like we have them now. Mm-hmm. There weren't. The way we're connected now and the record, the years of record that we have now from being connected is so different. I think it's hard to remember sometimes that they're all it used to take was just saying that's who you are. That's yeah. all it used to take. So if nobody had a way to prove that that wasn't who you are, especially in a situation like that, I brought it up earlier, but one of the things that it made me think of is MF Doom. Doom used to do this shit all the time. Like legit used to do this shit. He used to go there. I don't, I obviously can't say, but I can tell you that not every performance MF Doom performed was MF Doom. Oh, yeah. You know, he had that mask for a reason, and he was pretty candid about it. He was like, sometimes I don't feel like fucking doing it. Sometimes I don't feel like going up on stage. Let people enjoy the show. The way he looked at it is it was all villain stuff. It's all mad villainy, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's all in the same universe, so who really cares? And, again, that's that level of kayfabe that I think is fun. That's the same level of kayfabe from the same people that gave us the gorillas. Yeah. You know, like, there is. it's okay sometimes for there to be a little bit of, like, uh, mistruth in the greater story. I just wonder if, in this case, it it hasn't hurt the man that it involves. Well, just like uh, Guar, where in 2014, when the frontman Odorous died, uh, they played it into the story, because the story with Guar is they're aliens from this planet long ago that crash-landed at Earth, and they're stuck here. And even in the newer music, they make references where they're like, Fucking odorous left left us here to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they they are still playing into this real life man's death into their greater story to keep their appearances up. Yeah. Uh but one thing I wanted to bring up is on the Andrew WK website, after the the um Steve Mike stuff gets put up, Andrew actually posted on his own website as well, uh, that says, Dear everyone, I had no idea what was waiting. I got back to my room. I noticed I had changed. Oh, no. Already, I didn't like the sound of that. I immediately went and looked. Right away, I noticed that there was something messed up. I knew something was weird in this section. And then I sank into my stomach. I knew it. I always imagine you. I am this. The me. 
I can't believe me. Anyway, soon I started finding them. By the way, my manager showed me, and I'm very impressed. I spoke, and the long process of forming cleared everything out. Jeez, I just can't believe this actually happened. I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe it. This whole Steve Mike thing, I can't even begin. Right now we have solidified. We are the company. This was its insides. This is the only way to the systems. However, there's a small part that thinks it could be someone undisclosed in privacy. I can't imagine this, but I have. I am just a witness. You shouldn't see any of this. I talk about blackmail. Please don't believe Steve Mike. I used to call myself Steve Mike a long time ago, and it's nothing now. Someone mm. is trying to confuse you and make me look bad, like a relationship gone bad. Oh, Someone, you, mean, you mean like the one that Andrew said that he had? Mm-hmm. The personal and professional relationship that went bad? Exactly. Uh, someone is pretending to be me and the Steve and and the Steve Mike guy. I don't understand why people are close. I know you're reading this. Whoever you are will find you. I've made the following decisions. I've now completely removed myself. The music is all that matters for us. And that's what I am. I have the best feelings about all of it because I know it is right. We're stronger now more than ever. And it's only because of one thing. We're still going. Long gone. Sincerely, Andrew WK. I'm telling you, man, I think there's something to this. I think there's, there's, I don't know exactly who, who is what and what happened. Um, since we've made it about this far into the podcast, we're about towards the end. This is where I'll share a little bit of, I said at the beginning of the podcast that I'm actually incidentally pretty close to mm-hmm. this case. Uh, we both are actually, and here's how, um, a lovely gentleman, uh, named Kevin Dowling, who I've known for a large portion of my life. Uh, I used to work with. He's a lovely human being. He's the one who named the Acid Cat Spirit Hour in so much that he once turned to me while we were working to each other over a decade ago, and he goes, this is a very, he's a he's an odd one. He's one of my favorite people. He's a real weird little wizard boy, and he turned to me and he went, one day I want to have a YouTube show with you called the Acid Cat Spirit Guide. And while that didn't happen, we do have the Acid Cat Spirit Hour now, and that's why it's called that. Well, Kevin worked at Santos Party House. So Santos Party House is Andrew's venue. It opened in 2008, closed in 2016 after hosting OiFest, which was a really weird decision. Um, <laughs> OiFest just has a lot of, it's OiFest, so there's a lot of ties to skinhead music. Like, mm-hmm. it just gets too close. Anyway, he was uh, the sound guy at, or one of the sound guys at Santos Party House for a number of years, uh, which means that he worked with and was around Andrew for years. However... Those years that he was around him were after the alleged switch. And here's what he told me when I asked him. I asked Kevin, I was like, okay, Kev, what do you think all this? You worked with Andrew. You know about all this stuff. What do you think? And he said two things. He said that Andrew is Steve. But who is Andrew? And that's what I'm going to leave it with. You guys let us know what you think. Is Andrew a real person? Does Andrew WK exist in the world as we know him? Is he the same person he was when he was born? Has he been replaced? Is he a conglomerate, a industry plant designed to bring you pop culture or to uh, possibly, what was the big large conspiracy? What was that guy's 
when he he thought that Andrew was a tool of who? Scientology. A Scientology. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, as a way to bring the world down through Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Uh, I don't know, but I think this one's definitely worth conversation. You guys should leave comments, uh, argue about it because it's a really, really wild story. It's definitely, like I said at the beginning, maybe the most acid cat spirit hour. Not just because of our connection. Uh, through a couple degrees to Andrew, but just this is the most us story possible. If anybody else, if there are any other replica or uh, I guess replacement theories. We've talked about a couple other ones. We'd like to talk about Ultimate Warrior because mm-hmm. uh, I was there when Ultimate Warrior eulogized himself. Yeah, which is the craziest fucking thing. If you guys haven't seen that, that was the Raw after Mania Mania Thirty, and it was fucking crazy because he was like. I'm going to live forever, and I love you guys, and then died like an hour later in the street suddenly. That was wild and good for the show. Anyway, (laughs) uh, thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed this one. Let us know what your thoughts are. It it is definitely a weird case. What do you think, Caleb? What's your final thought? Um, I think... I think it goes a whole lot deeper than we know. Do you think it's a deep, deep state thing? I not. Do you like, think it's Illuminati? Knights I don't. Templar is it the Knights it's Templar? It's the Knights Templar. Yeah, it's <laughs> actually. Uh, it's we joked about everything going back to the Warren Commission, but yeah. the real Warren Commission of all conspiracies is the Knights Templar. Yep, it's yeah. the Knights Templar. Every single one of them goes back to them. Goes all the way back. To we the saw Knights some Templar. old people that were like marching against abortion today that were flying a Knights Templar yeah, flag. Yeah, it's real weird. <laughs> it's behind everything. And, and the funny thing is, they had like a group of small children with them and the only thing I could think about was the Eighth Crusade also known as the Children's Crusade. Yeah, the Children's Crusade. H, if you don't know about the Children's Little, little, this is Caleb's quick history fact for you. Hey, man, that's the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Talk about whatever you want. Children's Crusade was the Eighth Crusade that the Knights Templar put on and that's because they ran out of men. Yeah, they ran out of knights. So they were just like, fuck, well we got all these kids. How about we send 350 kids to storm to try to get some of our knights back? All of them died because yeah. they're children. That had to be fun for those people, you know, because they were like, you'd been dealing with these fucking knights coming in, telling you how to live, murdering you, calling you a witch. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, our backup's coming. And it's like 300 kids. And you're like, oh, fuck, it's sweet. It, it's the it's the easy wave on any, like, wave mode of video game. It's what I think of when somebody's like, would you rather fight, you know, like, a, what is it, like, one horse-sized duck or a hundred... Duck-sized duck horses. horses. Yeah, it's like a hundred duck sized I'd be kicking kids across the street. Are you kidding me? They had to fight three hundred kids in medieval times. A sword is heavier than a child. Yeah, just give them oh, a bunch man. of Cool Ranch Doritos. You could <laughs> swing a broadsword. I bet through two or three little kids in one swing. I think this is going to end us on a list. So <laughs> I'm already on every fucking <laughs> list that exists, except your subscription list. So if you liked yeah, what you heard, right. like and subscribe. <laughs> See what I did there? So. Oh, yeah, fuck, it's riddle time. We're it's riddle to, time. I was about to leave without the riddle. No, it is the very end of the podcast, which means it's riddle time. Riddle time. Last week's riddle. There is a clothing store. The owner has devised his own method of pricing items. Oh, yeah. A vest costs $20, socks cost 25 a tie costs 15 and a blouse costs 30 Using this method, how much would a pair of underwear cost? The answer... $45. I'm going to be honest with you. I couldn't count. I was going to blurt it out last week, but I could not count the number of letters in underwear fast <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, I was like, what is that? Eight, nine, ten letters? So uh, the pricing method, of course, he charges $5 per each letter required to spell the item. Yeah. Tie, three letters, $15. Vest, four letters, 20 And so on. So underwear, $45. Welcome to the $15 hat store. Um, This week's riddle is... You buy me taken apart to redo what has been undone. Four of my pieces have one sharp corner. The rest of them have none. What am I? 
Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to have to think about that. I'm going to have to listen to you while I'm editing this, and I'm just going to listen to it. So if this podcast comes out late, it's because I'm trying to figure <laughs> out this riddle. Just, he just so you guys know. He's like, fuck, I can't get it. Yeah, I take just sitting there. to get it out, and I'm just with my headphones on, like, what is it? Four, four quarters? It's four quarters? People are like, it's weird that they just stopped uploading videos. And he's like... <laughs> <laughs> just down the line, someone's like, hey, why'd you guys stop the podcast? I couldn't fucking figure out that riddle. <laughs> I just never released another episode. We keep shooting them. I just yeah, them they're up. just backlogged. We got like three years worth of them. But as soon as I figure out that riddle, I'll finally upload them all. <laughs> well, on that beautiful and really flattering <laughs> note, we love you guys very much. Thank you for joining us. This one's a fucking bonkers story. Go uh, send some love to Andrew W.K., to go to one of his pages and tell him you love him. Send him this podcast. Let him know that we are talking about him and that we know about Steve Mike. We'll, we'll see you guys next week. We love you. Hey.